191 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. First off, the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Doing very well. What's up, Seth? Uh, Not much. I've had a wonderful weekend playing Guilds of Ravnica. I am just so hyped. This is like the best time of the year in the Magic world. Standard rotation, new sets, new limited. But before we get into that, we have another co-host, Chris Van Meter. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing good. Uh, Much like you, I'm excited for Guilds of Ravnica. Yeah, uh, I am super hyped about that, and that's going to be a decent chunk of our podcast for today. We're going to talk Guilds of Ravnica, particularly kind of like pre-release slash limited type stuff. We're going to talk about some MTG Arena. We didn't get to it last week, but we're in open beta. There was a big streaming event, so kind of a bunch of Arena stuff. Mention the BNR announcement briefly, and then, of course, hit up all of your fish mail. But before we get into that, a quick shout out to the sponsor of today's show, which is SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy. They have some sweet online courses from some of the best players in Magic's history, uh, like Paul Orvito, Domino DeRosa, and we just found out this week a new addition in Reed Duke, who's going to be doing a modern course over on SpikesAcademy.com. So check them out, SpikesAcademy.com, get 10% off with the code Goldfish, and you can learn more by checking out their Twitter, Spikes underscore Academy. So anyway, with the spot Sponsorship stuff out of the way. Let's talk some fun stuff. Guilds of Ravnica pre-release. So, did either of you actually play pre-release events this weekend? I played pseudo pre-release. I played pre-release on Arena, which I learned is not the same as actual pre-release because you don't get the guild seated boosters. But I played sealed. It's incredibly expensive on Arena. It's uh, best of one, seven seven wins or three losses. And I had mixed results. I think I went six wins, seven wins, two wins, one win, three wins. It's like all over the place. Sometimes it goes great. Sometimes it goes horribly awry. So I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. And I think everyone else on Arena is trying to figure out as well. But Arena being released at the same time as paper pre-release is pretty cool. And if you can't make it out to your local game store, which I couldn't this weekend, uh, you can play online. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. And... I'm very happy for it, and I hope that this is the model they use moving forward. It was really cool being able to like play with the cards like a normal pre-release, but not have to like physically go into to a game store. Even though I work at a game store, so it's kind of weird for me to say <laughs> that. But I just had like a ton of stuff that I had to do this weekend, but I was still able to play through two full pre-releases on uh, on Arena. Uh, I got six wins in one uh, and seven wins in the other, so I was able to. Make a little bit, have a little fun, uh, and mythics are good, man. They're good online, just as just as good as they are in paper. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of the same way. I did a pre-release on Magic Online, actually, which uh, one of the weird upsides of that is they actually do have the seated boosters uh, on Magic Online if you do a friendly event. So you can get the actual pre-release feel, at least a little more so there. But then I played a lot of Constructed. I've just been chomping at the bit for standard, so I spent some of the time that I could have spent pre-releasing working on some sweet new standard decks. So anyway, what was your impression of... Uh, Guilds of Ravnica sealed, I guess. you There weren't drafts up on either digital client, right? You couldn't draft on Arena this weekend. No draft. Okay, so how was sealed uh, for Guilds of Ravnica? Uh, so cards that single-handedly won me the game. Uh, the four-mana 6-6 six, six hexproof thing. Uh, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous because sometimes your opponent makes you discard on turn one, and that's just a free win. And yeah. other times when you play it on curve, you know, your your removal in limited is not as mana efficient, so actually having to pay two and then, you know, trying to use five mana removal, like, you are so behind. So any game where you get that four mana 6-6 six, six in your hand, it's it's ridiculous. I like the Surveil deck. Surveil looks very powerful. The the Demir bug, it's like a 1-1 one, one menace, and when you Surveil, you get a plus one, plus one counter. I had a deck with the, the Sprite, which whenever it attacks, you Surveil. Uh, so, you know, two flyers very early and they're just growing and you're backing that up with, you know, blue and black surveil cards. It's ridiculous. So the guilds feel very powerful. Uh, all of the double colored guild cards are pretty good. They're just really hard to cast, uh, but they're very impactful. And yeah, I don't know. The, guild, the guilds feel very guildsy. It, it felt very fun. And 
so far I've had fun playing all the color combinations, even though I can't win in the more aggressive ones. I just don't know how to build those decks. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, I had a lot of fun, and there were a few takeaways um, that I noticed really early. So the first one is that the lockets are absurd, uh, and you certainly want to be playing your lockets. Like, the format isn't, like, hyper-aggressive. Like, there can be a very aggressive Boros deck, but, like, there are a lot of like small death touchers and every color has like a lot of good blockers or two drops or playable one drops so the the lockets are just very very good um and the like the rares and mythics are just absurd like there's just some insane mythics or some insane rares um you know try and play as many of them as you can like there's a lot of guild gates you have district guide there's the land enchantment lockets can help you splash uh so just try and play as many powerful cards as you can because everybody's going to have a lot of powerful cards because the rares are just all so good uh, but one one card in particular that uh made a huge impact in my games uh is in my sultai deck i had the uh the land that is a shimmering grotto but if you use that colored mana to pay for a multicolor creature, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. So like being able to turn my like two threes into three fours, I even had the the flying hexproof death touch creature that I just like made it a four four with that land and all of my opponents just conceded every time I played it. Um, also, uh, the, the one one death toucher that has lure, if you make it a two two, you just like actually get to til- kill two creatures because they have to block with all of their stuff. So it was... That land was very, very good, and I, I expect to try and play it as often as I can, whether whether it be sealed or booster draft. What do you think about Constructed? Is there any chance we see... Like, Boros has a lot of multicolored creatures. We saw the, the colorless one that, that kind of did the same thing for colorless creatures. Mm-hmm. Runes of Orin Reef or something showed up in some Eldrazi decks in Standard. Is there any chance that card catches on in Standard? I, I don't think so. Point? Like, maybe when you have all 10 shocks and the mana isn't bad... Right now, there are some decks that the mana is just atrocious. And, like, even in Boros, like, yes, you have a lot of multicolor creatures, but, like, if you're playing your two drops on turn three, then you're just, like, falling behind and not doing what your deck wants to do. Yeah, I guess I guess that is a, a good point. Hmm. Yeah, so my sealed pool was really bad. I had the classic, like, two rare land, two... Uh, this is a good modern sideboard card, like Unmoored Ego, <laughs> Rare, Sealed Pool. So my one my one good card was Bounty of Might. So I built a Golgari deck that splashed just a little bit of blue, and I just felt outpowered in a lot of the matchups. Like, the deck felt good, and it could grind, but then eventually my opponent would find, like, some massive bomb that my deck just didn't have, and uh, yeah. So, so overall, my record wasn't good, but it still seemed really fun. I was really impressed with uh, Is It, actually, in the people that I played against the Is It decks looked really powerful uh, especially the blue guild mages stuck out the Demir one and the Is It one both seemed like they were uh, better than I thought I kind of when I saw these guild mages I was like alright these are fine but I don't think they're as good as like our past guild mages which a lot of times were like auto first picks uh, in limited and even showed up in constructed a little bit but I was impressed with the blue guild mages in specific so it seemed really fun uh, but then I just fell down the standard rabbit hole and started like building standard decks and having fun with that so i only did one event and did not post a very good record but it still seemed like a cool format and i'm going to be excited to try it out again with draft i think there's uh in sealed there's just that variance like in draft it's really hard to get a bad draft pool because you're picking from everyone's packs and everyone like you should have at least a reasonable deck in sealed you can just get that pool where you're like oh no this like the richard pool i think we call it don't you always get those (laughs) pools richard i always get them but you just play enough of them (laughs) you just play enough that you eventually get a good pool uh what did you guys think of the new mechanics jumpstart i felt was actually a lot weaker than i thought it would be and maybe the problem was i put too many jumpstart cards in my deck but you know between trying to make land drops to actually turn on your lockets and you know having expensive finishers you you just didn't have that many cards to throw away so it's not flashback at all it's like just a little incremental advantage sometimes and maybe you can put one to two cards in your deck but you can't just fill your deck with jumpstart cards uh you just run out of gas so quickly so I felt that was very surprising because I thought Jumpstart would be better going in. Yeah, I, so like Direct Current, 
Uh, it's just like obviously the the best jumpstart card. But I felt that Surveil and Mentor like really outshined all of the other mechanics. Like yes, Convoke is good, and you can like get out to the board early, double spell uh, fairly early on. Uh, Undergrowth was just like kind of meh, but like Surveil was so good, like being able to like find the cards you want. Uh, you know, triggering your like Surveil Matters cards, uh, you know, for like random undergrowth or jumpstart cards that you might have in your deck that you're playing just because they're good cards by themselves. But Mentor in particular is very powerful because it just, the ability just feels like it's stapled on to a lot of cards without changing like how they design the card. So like I would just play a 5-2 for 4 anyway, but it also like pumps my smaller creatures per- permanently like as the course of the game goes on. Uh, like almost all of my losses in the sealed were just a very good Mentor decks. Yeah, it's in some ways it's similar to energy. Like a lot of the energy cards felt like that. Like, oh, this is a this is already a playable card, and then it just happens to produce some energy, which well that makes it even better. In Mentor, they kind of build it the same way. I don't think it's anywhere near as busted and constructed as energy ended up being. Uh, I think for me, Jumpstart is a mechanic that I think you're right about limited. I think it's actually better in constructed, where you can build around it a little bit more and take more advantage of like the spells matters theme and. And uh, take more advantage of your graveyard. So I feel like it's better in constructed than it is in sealed. And for me, I played an undergrowth deck and I came away feeling like undergrowth could be good, but I think it's one of the hardest mechanics to build around because, uh, like with surveil, Surveil's just good. Mentor, it's just good, especially when it's already on creatures that are good if they didn't have Mentor. With Undergrowth, you need to have, like, this right mixture of your Glowspore Shamans and so forth to, like, get things in your graveyard and the right mixture of Undergrowth, like, payoffs. And if your Sealed Pool doesn't hit both of those, then you're left with this really kind of, like, underpowered, clunky deck because you have, like, four mana zero zeros, which can be great if you have ten creatures in your graveyard. It's, like, the best card in your deck. But if you don't have the right payoffs in the right enablers yeah uh, Gary's a tough guild to make work i think all right rule rules pop quiz guys this happened to me and i don't know if it's a bug or if it's as intended say i have a three two creature and my opponent plays the demir card that gives you minus two minus four and i play invert on my creature which uh swaps its power and toughness what should happen I think your creature gets minus four, right? No. It should die, right? So so, so the way that the invert so. works is so like... No. It's similar to about face. So anything that would pump like what it was before gets flipped. So what ends up happening is the minus two, minus four from the whatever that card is turn, turns into a minus four, minus two. Yep. That's exactly uh, what happened. So I, I, I thought I punted because I thought it was minus four, minus two. I'm like, okay, I'll just flip my creature and survive. And then I cast the card. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't read this card correctly at all. <laughs> but then my creature survived at minus two and one. And I was very confused. So the the flip also affects to things that resolve later. Or I guess they all resolve at the same yeah. time. Is that how it works? Is this yeah, some kind well, of layer things? Because yes, because there's a there's a popper deck where uh, that's built around this combo actually. Where, yeah, so you uh, inside out. I think the actual one is in popper, but whatever. Yeah, uh, but basically you can switch the power and toughness, and then tireless tribe. Uh, you can discard a card to give it plus zero plus four but after you inside out which is the same exact ability as invert then every time you discard a card you're giving it plus four plus zero so then you just one shot kill someone make it unblockable or whatever but it doesn't really matter when it resolves because of how the weird layers and so forth work so you can yeah you can do that for the rest of the turn basically Uh uh-huh I it's, do a, that. it's weird. It is very, <laughs> it is very confusing. Yes, it is. It is not intuitive because I always think like it shouldn't work that way, but then it works that way, and I die. Yep. <laughs> Most people don't think it be like it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, any other uh, Guilds of Ravnica pre-release thoughts before we move on to uh, our next topic? Uh, somebody touched on it earlier, but. The guild mages are way better than I gave them credit for. So I, I, I expect them to be very high picks in draft. Yeah, 
I was impressed with the guild mages as well. I also was impressed with the is it split card that the back half is like a really expans- uh, expensive X spell that deals X damage and draws X cards. The format seemed grindy enough that I lost to that card multiple times, like X yeah. six, X eight. So it seems like a fairly slow and grindy format, which I wasn't sure of because a lot of people are talking about Boros being the best deck and it's just going to be fast and run over people. But in my experience, at least the sealed format was pretty slow and grindy and you could get away with playing some big splashy expensive stuff and make it good it also seems like dead weight is the mythic common in the set so i expect that to be a first pick in draft yeah i'm excited for draft i think uh in the digital world both on magic online and magic arena by the time you listen to the podcast i believe drafts will be live so uh if you're interested in checking out drafts you can find them uh, on magic online or magic arena Speaking of Magic Arena, that's our second topic for today. So we kind of missed this last week. We were busy talking about other stuff. But in the last week, Magic Arena went into open beta, which I guess is not technically official release, but it's kind of official release because you don't need a beta code to get in. Anyone can download Magic Arena and play it. They had this huge streaming event to kick it off and to kick off Guilds of Ravnica with like 300, I think, streamers. And then Arena actually like beat Hearthstone that day as far as people watching it on Twitch. And now everyone's talking about it. So what are your thoughts uh, on Magic Arena? Uh, I- Let's, uh, let's see if we can break this down a little bit easier. Both of you play Arena. You already mentioned you were playing it. What was your impression of Magic Arena pre-releases for Guilds of Ravnica? And then we can kind of go from there through uh, the rest of Arena. It was okay. I, I, now that I think about it, I'm disappointed we didn't get the seeded pack, but we also lost out on a rare. Right? Because normally you get your six packs, you have your six rares, and then you have your, you know, your pre-release pack thing with your promo, uh, which we didn't get on arena which is weird i don't see why they couldn't just give us a random rare there but other than that it was okay i mean it, it's just arena uh best of ones is a bit tough uh i i played one release event my first release event i uh had three wins and i you know i lost right so that means i just played six games total so it felt super short uh it was like 30 minutes and i'm like i learned nothing about this format i gotta queue up again <laughs> right so it's a little different. It's really expensive. Uh, so it's not expensive in absolute terms, but if you go seven wins, uh, you get 2,200 gems back and it costs you 2,000 gems to enter. So at seven wins, at maxing out, you only just make 200 gems. So it is very hard to quote unquote go infinite. Uh, what you end up happening, what ends up happening is you get nine packs out of that, right? Six from your pool and then three from winning. So that's how they offset it. But if you're not interested in packs, it's just very expensive to grind uh, release events. And uh, they had this problem before with the competitive drafts and things like that. But I, I feel like the the pre-release payouts just kind of continue that trend where if you wanted to play all weekend, you got to be really good or you got to start sinking money to it uh, and building a constructed card collection uh whether whether you like it or not right because i have nothing like you can't just trade your mythic wild cards back for packs or gold or something to to keep going like you could on moto right moto what people would do is win the packs sell the packs back or use the packs to re-enter and then keep going and you can go for a pretty long time so that's just the one thing that they never addressed going from closed to open beta like Limited only players can't really play. They they have you have to play both to to properly utilize the arena economy. Oh, that really yeah. drives me crazy. I wish there was some conversion or some method where you could utilize unopened packs of whatever the format is to actually play in the queues for that format. So the thing is, like, it's really simple. All they have to do is uh, have the payout be the same, but have it be in gold, like. Because gold buys packs. So so if they just paid you out in gold, then you're basically, you have the choice. You can use your gold to enter another event if you want to, or you could just buy the packs that you would have gotten if they paid it out that way. So it's really, that part of it really frustrates me how it's, it just feels like it's set up in like this 
predatory way to like force you to put money into it when uh, magic online it's expensive there's no i'm not arguing that but it is set up in a way where you can keep playing and use your winnings to keep playing so that that's one of my pet peeves about arena right now that and the fifth card issue are my two things with the economy that still just drive me a little bit crazy what did you think did you have fun uh playing the pre-release events there chris is it a good uh proxy for going out to your local game store on pre-release weekend so I, I I view it as like a completely separate experience. Like you don't get the same of like a best of three and playing face to face, but it's perfect if you just like want to sit down and play some magic and have fun with the new cards. So like I learned a little bit. I wouldn't just use it for like a Grand Prix preparation, but it, it's a perfect supplement to like help you get those reps in and learn cards and interactions and just like, get that magic fix i gotta i gotta ask you uh both of you we talked about pre-releases uh richard played magic arena chris played magic arena i played magic online and magic arena none of us went out to our local game stores is is there any concern that this is a bad thing like are if we all skipped going to pre-release because we could just sit home and eat popcorn in our underwear and and (laughs) pre-release like is this a bad thing for local game stores in any way Probably so I, a little bit. Go ahead, Chris. I feel a big part of that is just like the novelty of it. This is the first time you can do it, so people are going to take advantage of it. I think that the number of people who would like prefer to go to a game store but sit down and play Arena instead, uh, like I don't think that's what's going to end up being impacted, right? So it's like the people that were well, – the, the big chunk of people that played Arena this weekend, instead of going to a game store, likely weren't going to go to a game store anyway, and they played Arena because they had, you know, I had three hours to play Magic spread out over the entirety of the day, so I got to play in a pre-release event because I could sit down for, you know, ten minutes and play a match and then go do my errands, and then sit down for an hour and play a couple matches and then, you know, go take care of something else and so on and so forth. So I think that, like, it's capturing the audience that wasn't already planning on going to the local game store so it didn't necessarily like eat into the people going to pre-releases this maybe just had more people uh, able to play pre-release events yeah i mean i have to imagine that it's a a non-zero number of people that would have gone to their local game store but decided to stay home and play arena because it's convenient and new and they wanted to try it out um but I don't think that that number is very large, and I think that those people will probably just go to their game store for the next pre-release because they got to see what Arena was about and they like to play face-to-face. So we are officially in open beta. What do y'all feel like uh, about that? So we kind of went into open beta without anything super crazy happening. Like, Sealed was added for the pre-release events, but it's not like... Uh, there was a whole new client or a whole new deck builder. Any, like, huge changes when we switch from closed beta to open beta? Uh, what's your thoughts on Arena being an open beta now? Is it ready? Uh, what needs to improve? What are we happy with? Uh, this is it. <laughs> like, I, I don't expect anything big to happen. They might change how the vault slightly works, but whenever they do this, they never change your total rewards, right? Your expected value or whatever remains the same. They just kind of shift whether you're getting gold, gems, wild cards, whatever. Uh, so I think the economy is here to stay. The gameplay is more or less here. They'll probably add uh, new boards. They'll probably add new, I don't know what they're calling them, you know, like the Hearthstone Brawls, like the <laughs> the different format every week that you can try out. But I think in general, the game is quote-unquote done. So I wouldn't expect uh, any massive changes uh, going out. Like maybe the auto-tapper works correctly or something and just small changes like that and it's just time to start grinding your collections because they're not going to wipe it anymore and see how expensive it really is to play standard and see you know how easy is it to adapt to the meta if you know after pro tour a new deck list gets posted that's when people will start feeling the pain right did you waste your wild cards Right now, you can't play the new standard deck unless you buy more gems, right? So I think that's when we're going to start seeing the real crunch. And, uh, you know, Guilds of Ravnica just released. Uh, Everyone rotated. We're all starting from scratch. So we're all building it up again. And then when Pro Tour hits, uh, we're going to see the real impact of the economy. That's when we want to change decks and, and, you know, pivot really fast based on what's happening in the real world. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... 
entirely happy with the economy. I think that they should have kind of like solved solved this fifth card issue uh, before. Well, I I think they should be solved before they like are done with their beta. But like, let's face it, like games sit in open beta now for almost the entirety of the the lifespan of the game. Like, what's what's the next step for it, right? To like officially release the game. But like, you're in open beta; it's like already released. Um, but I would like to see like some work with the economy be done because I don't think that it's very good. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The economy has some issues. I feel like, and uh, to give Arena credit, they have come a long way in the last year, and things have been improving. Uh, the gameplay is really fun. There are a couple of economy things that we kind of talked about. I'd like to see payouts more in gold and less in packs, which especially helps limited players. The fifth card issue, not sure why they didn't do something with that before going into open beta, especially since they said they were going to do something back in July, I think, was their initial, like, we're going to do something now, and it's been a few months with no changes. Uh, so those are the big ones. I also think there's still, like, some fringe issues with the clock. I posted a little clip on my Twitter the other day of me trying to crack treasure tokens as my timer is just, like, burning out in front of me, and I'm trying to add mana to cast the spell that it would be the game. So I like the big flashy animations. I've really really come around on them because I was uh, an animation skeptic going into arena but I really like the big flashy ones and I think they add a lot to the game but some of the little quality of life ones like it, it doesn't really need an animation every time I crack a treasure token please like just let me make my mana arena so I feel like there's little things that could be tuned up uh, now that we're a whole year into it how, what do you think this means for Magic Online? Over the past year, we've had this, like, roller coaster uh, of conversations, Richard, where it's like, oh, my God, Magic Online, this is going to, it's killing it, it's done. And I'd be like, ah, oh, actually, no, I think Magic Online, they're going to support both. They're not trying to kill Magic Online. Now that we've hit open beta, where are your thoughts on the future of Magic Online in its role in Magic Digital? Uh, I don't know. I think Wizards is actually trying to run all three or all two digital clients and paper at the same time. I don't know what this means. Like, it'll be supported for the future, but you can already see they're putting so much effort and resources into promoting Arena, and they're not doing the same for Magic Online. So it's just going to stay as is and be stagnant and eventually fall off. Now, when it falls off, who knows? But, you know, there was no Guilds of Ravnica Magic Online streamer event. Right? We didn't have any such things. Everyone was streaming Arena, so that's where all their focus is. And I still believe eventually they're going to put everything onto Arena. And I think eventually coverage, or you know, if you don't replace the Pro Tour, they will have a Pro Tour level event for digital Magic players. So eventually coverage or some form of coverage will go onto Arena as well. So I think Magic Online's days are limited it's probably going to be there for modern and for uh legacy and vintage until those things are supported like you they're starting to bring things over like momir and things like that are, are are over already and you know brawl they can bring over standard pop or things like that they'll, they'll do on arena and they're not going to innovate on magic online i mean the the model of keeping both just can't be sustainable right yeah i mean that, that's what my gut says but like if Magic Online and Arena are both, like, making enough money to, like, su sustain themselves, then maybe we see it happening. But, I mean, it just I just feel like it can't be sustainable. And at some point, Magic Online will just have to go and everything will just be on Arena. I'm skeptical that we'll ever see Legacy or Vintage or maybe even Modern on Arena. I'm just... Uh, I don't know. I feel like they have done a lot of work to make arena the best like new player client possible and i feel like the changes they would have to make to like the timer system to the way the stack works like real fundamental aspects of the game which work really well if your goal is to like hey i can auto tap my lands and play a standard game in five minutes which is i think what their primary goal is i feel like the changes you'd have to make to really have older formats function on arena would make standard in that new player fun flashy hearthstonian experience worse so i so i don't know i guess that's my thinking is i'm not actually sure that they 
are planning on doing that. I mean, maybe eventually they'll get to that point, but I think I still think that it's going to be a very long-term thing if it ever happens at all. Are you say, are you saying you don't want to open a second copy of Black Lotus on Magic Arena? <laughs> <laughs> What about the fifth? <laughs> oh my, that would be the worst beat. Eighth, oh eighth, eighth, of, eighth of a wild card? Yeah. Nice Black Lotus. I, I don't know why Wizards wants to fragment their player base. Like, why Why do you want Arena to be new player friendly and then all the experienced people must go to 1990s Magic Online? Like, that's just weird. You know, part of the appeal of Magic is I can play against the top players and due to... RNG, I can actually take a game off of them, right? That doesn't help me if I'm playing on Arena and LSV and all the pros are playing on Magic Online, right? It doesn't help that I grind my way to the top of the Arena ladder, then must throw away my collection and rebuild on a Magic Online to continue climbing up, right? Like, it's just weird that they're trying this, and like Chris said, it's just not sustainable Like from a organizational perspective. Like, you can't have two teams writing software that's you know the same thing you're just doing everything twice and in the long term like it's just a waste of time and effort and you can imagine what happens when there's complicated mechanics and you got to implement them in both systems and you got to split your resources and then you get all the moto bugs that we get today right like it's just so difficult so i think they're actually trying to do it though and i don't think it's going to end up well i think eventually they're going to have to suck it up and like put everything onto arena like do you think legacy could work on arena or are you rebuilding the client from the ground up to be able to support a format that's played by one percent of the player base or something i mean all you got to do is just add a timer right it's not terrible i mean you got to add all the cards and then you you got to switch from their rope timer to a real timer you know a, a rope timer that works or you know a chess clock right like as long as you can combo oh but remember work, you got like the order of your graveyard matters and like there's so many weird things if you go back through 25 years of magic i don't maybe maybe it would just go smoothly i i don't know you could just change the rules too Oh no! Oh, that's the last. Thing like, I if you hear. play with older sets, the order of the graveyard matters. But when you play with newer sets, it doesn't, right? Oh, like, okay. Uh, you know, okay. like they they okay. they change the rules to make things easier. So I, you know, they could actually just change the rules. Oh, I thought you meant the paper rules. Like, hey, we'll errata this card so it works better on <laughs> on arena. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what they'll do is they'll just kind of support both clients for X amount of years until they can go. Vintage is dead. Yeah. Legacy, legacy is dead. Modern is dead. We have standard and this other non-rotating format based off of what's available on Arena. And then Magic Online can just be gone. And if people want to keep playing those formats, they can play play their physical cards. And that's just what Arena is. Like digital is the future. Like that's what they're going to be doing. And like I don't know how else you make that work outside of supporting two clients which just doesn't seem sustainable well before we move on to uh our fish mail and whatnot the other arena news of the week was they did this huge streamer event so 300 streamers beat hearthstone for the day Uh, so that was kind of one aspect of it the other aspect that was a little controversial was some of the hearthstone streamers uh were sort of awkward choices for a magic event people that were like banned from magic like uh is it reynard is he the the hearthstone streamer that was banned was invited to the event uh, what did you guys make <laughs> of that big event and the people invited to that event i think it was fine uh so for one day i think it was like twenty six thousand streamers or something we we beat out hearthstone and then the next day, we, we, we got back to our paltry, like, 2,000 versus 26,000 Hearthstone. But for one day, it was glorious. And it shows, you know, Wizards is trying to do something. As far as the Raynad situation, Wizards didn't invite him because he formerly cheated at Hearth- or at Magic. They invited him because he runs, one of, you know, a huge uh, esports organization. He is one of the most popular Hearthstone personalities and things like that. So that's why they invited him and... Apparently they're they're over will uh, they're willing to overlook the bad blood between the two because it wasn't he was just banned they had some feud on social media and things like like there was some back and forth right so Wizards was willing to overlook that and say hey you know you run a huge esports organization you're an important member of Hearthstone we want you to stream our game 
And uh, apparently he also agreed because he also, you know, was very bitter towards magic because it ruined his career or whatever. But it turned out to be very good for him because now he's very rich in the Hearthstone world. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. He, he's important because he's a big esports figure, not because he cheated in magic. It's not like he that was his only claim to fame. So I think that there were some very, very good things that came out of this event. In particular, Brian Kilbler is like streaming Magic Arena, even like at the non-sponsored time and talking about looking at Grand Prix to go to, to try and play some Magic. So anything that they can do to get Kilbler's attention back is a huge win for Magic because he has a huge audience. And I think that that helps. Also, there's just like a ton of other content creators and streamers that they had that just helps get eyes on the game game which is awesome uh as far as the whole rain ad thing thing goes i'm a little torn like i think that we have this big thing happening in magic right now where like cheating is very bad and it's on the forefront of people's minds and a lot of people are you know of the stance that like you know when somebody does something like what rain ad was you know con- like oh accused and you know, they when the investigation found it was correct that he added cards to his sealed deck at a Grand Prix, like that is cheating, right? So like, I'm not gonna sit here and try and you know add different levels of bad to what the cheats are, but he was suspended for 18 months, um, decided to go off and do something else. You know, didn't have some nice things to say about Magic because he felt like he like th- that it wasn't wasn't accurate. That's, that's neither here nor, nor there. But the statement is that Wizards is going to look past that and they are more interested in the bottom line and growing the game and tapping into the audience that Raynad has. So like that, as far as like for somebody who's like a faithful Magic the Gathering player, tournament competitor, clean pit player, like trying to strive to, to make the game as friendly and as accessible as possible, it's just like this weird weird tension where it's like he has a huge audience and can get new players into the game and it's like doing good things now but he did something very bad in the past and a lot of people see that as a stain on Magic Gathering. Yeah, it's I mean I think the event itself was was very good. Like we criticize Wizards a lot for uh, some of their promotional stuff not going over that well and I feel like this event was basically uh, overwhelmingly a success there were tons of people playing magic there were tons of people watching magic there was tons of people talking about it on magic twitterverse so i feel like overall it was a very good promotional event and i think they did a really good job with it uh i do question why you have to invite the the band from magic hearthstone streamer like there's a lot of famous hearthstone streamers it seems like leaving the one that was banned in magic and then trashed your game off the list like if your goal is to have the hearthstone audience i don't know if you need that specific one streamer you got kibler and you got amaz and you got trump and you got all these other huge hearthstone streamers that it seems like uh, maybe the the value that you get out of that isn't worth the cost especially since you could just like get the next hearthstone streamer down the list which probably isn't that huge of a deal so i do question that one choice in specific but i think it's a really cool event and i hope they keep doing that i think the early pre-release event on arena and also on magic online i think is really really cool that because it wasn't always like that it used to be you had to wait until after paper releases to play the sets in digital form so to see the sets actually coming out so early on digital i think it's a great way to like generate hype for the set have these big events which tons of people are playing talking about the set and maybe that gets people out to their local game store a couple days later for the actual pre-release or gets them to pick up a box so i feel like despite the the little bit of a weirdness uh, with the one hearthstone streamer reynard i think Overall, it was still a really good event, and I hope they keep doing it. I think the best part about this is that you keep calling him Raynard. <laughs> I, I what's his name? Raydad. Oh, Raydad. Raydad. Right, right. Whatever. I don't watch Hearthstone streams, and I. Oh, you wait everything. because maybe his name will come up more often. <laughs> Because yeah. he runs he runs Tempo Storm, which is like you know a big Hearthstone team. It's a big esports organization. So part of the reason Although, they chose him was not just because he's a streamer, but he runs you know esports thingies, which Wizards wants to get into. So yeah, like one thing that I think could be really cool from it, like regardless of like Raynad's past with Magic, is that like he is initiated to it and he has built the successful company and he knows like what it takes 
you know, from the game perspective to invest in having a team for it. Like, how cool would it be at some point to have, like, a Tempo Storm Pro team playing Magic the Gathering? That would... Like, that'd be sick. That would be super sweet. I got a, one more arena question before we hit fish mail. So, uh, we were supposed to be getting the GP schedule for next year. Uh, the end of this week, on the 4th, I believe, they're doing a special stream to announce it. And I've been, like, keeping up, watching the streams where they've kind of been, like, uh, announcing the announcement, more or less. And they've said a few things that make me wonder if digital is going to be a part of the GP schedule next year, or at least some part of that level of the tournament scene. Are we expecting anything with Magic Arena when they make this announcement on Thursday, or is that premature and we're looking at a year or two in the future when they start having actual tournaments like that on Arena? They'll have stations at the Grand Prix for you to try out Magic <laughs> Arena. <laughs> I, I can't imagine them saying like, Oh, Jeep, you know, Grand Prix trials are now a Magic Arena. Have at it. Like, I can't imagine them trying a large scale event right now, but maybe. I mean, maybe by the end of next year they could. I could see something where they have, like, feature matches, where the feature matches are played on Arena, and that's how the coverage and casting is done. Because, like, they have deck lists. Like, they should be able to just, like, plug in deck lists for people to play. But the my big hang up on that is misclicks suck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like so easy to like navigate a game of magic in paper to like make sure that things happen properly but like if you misclick something you can't just like call a judge and like try and fix a situation because you misclick something like having dexterity be a part of the competition is something that was removed smartly a long time ago and i would hate for that to be added back in well as a competitive player what do you think about things like triggers and maintaining board state and things like that because on magic you know with digital it's quite different than paper so do you think that i I think that's great i I think that's perfect like trying to like utilize opponents making mistakes on things like that um is, is is a part of the game that i hate so i'm very glad that that's not like a thing when you're playing digitally but i still dislike like the dexterity errors from uh like misclicks or like maybe even accessibility issues right so like what if um uh, what if brandon like the 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 guy whose mom helps him play always plays burn top eight at a grand prix is like in a coverage match uh like it adds a whole nother level of of accessibility if they're trying to utilize that as a way to have these feature matches so I don't think the client's to a point where you can run a high EV tournament on it yet. I think it would be extremely risky with just, like, the timer issues. People Like, can you imagine a top eight match where someone times out because their animations keep playing and they rope and they lose a, a match for thousands of dollars? Like, that's a thing that legitimately could happen in this standard format on Magic Arena right now. So I feel like that's not there. One thing that would really interest me immediately, though, would be if they could use digital to, uh, assuming they're going to keep having limited part of these big events, but I think it would be awesome to actually watch the drafting. Like, watching the Pro Tour draft itself on digital is so much more digestible and so much more easier for the audience that that could be a way to quote-unquote fix limited for pro tours and events like that you can still play the matches in paper give them the cards afterwards so you don't have to deal with any client issues or misclicks but it's just so much easier if you could just hook up eight computers to each other and have the featured pod of a pro tour draft with all the picks laid out in a way you can scroll over the cards because of twix uh twitch extensions and actually read them and see what exactly what the player is seeing so i feel like that could be an interesting first step towards integrating uh digital magic into the scene so this is all I want, and it's very easy. So you you launch the client, and instead of that big Guilds of Ravnica banner, you see Grand Prix such and such is happening now. Click here to watch on Twitch, right? And then when whoever wins it, you be you can see a panel there with their face. So and so won the Grand Prix with this deck, and then you can open and view the deck in the client. Like that'd be very easy integration that they could do to bring awareness to their pro scene. Uh, get, you know, regular people to actually know that Grand Prix exist and Pro Tours exist. And they can actually just view the winning deck list in the client, copy it, use their wild cards and make the decks and things like that. So that would be very easy to do. Or easier, I guess, than changing your Grand Prix formats for an integration between paper and digital. 
The, another option could be just like utilizing arena uh, for coverage similar to like how they do with chess or go, right? Where like <clears throat> you have this paper game being played, but the digital projection of it is what people are able to watch, whether it's in client or streaming on Twitch. Um, so like you could be at your computer with arena pulled up and see like, you know, this Reed Duke versus LSV game happening on arena watching the plays happen and it's a duplication of what's happening like in real life as they play oh that would be that would be pretty interesting i wonder how hard that would be to like have the draws be the same i'm sure it's possible maybe you have to have someone sit there and like do it manually but it would make it much easier to watch even if that was like a second oh yeah secondary option along with normal paper coverage i'm sure it would take a ton of production value but like once it gets figured out and solved and fixed That'd be sweet. Like, I would watch that all the time. Yeah. Even as, like, a VOD, right? If you can't do it real time, just, like, the day after the tournament, just have all the games go up on Arena so you can view them and someone can manually assemble the games. So it doesn't even have to be real time. It'd still be pretty good as a VOD. Well, let's move on while we still have a few minutes left and uh, answer some fish mail. Richard, take it away. All right. If you have any questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail. First question... Uh, we didn't talk upon, we didn't touch upon this, but there were no changes to the BNR. So this question is: What's the likelihood of rampaging Ferocidon getting unbanned? We know the answer Zero. is it didn't get unbanned. And was there any reason to unban it? No. no. Also, I don't think they'll ever unban a card in standard. I think that bannings are already too painful. That even if Ferocidon would be fine, I think it's just too much of a PR nightmare to unban it. Even if you think it would be hundred percent fine in our current format. Yep, it's already under the rug. That's where it's gonna stay. Uh. A opal, a opacly, an opal. <laughs> Watsi treats LGSs as minor and individual. I think creating an association slash cartel to pool buying power could upset the balance and reinforce their importance in the community. Thoughts? Why unionize LGSs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's that's uh. I mean, we hear shady cartel stories anyway, right? Like, I mean, if you're a very large card store, you probably have this capability, right? Like, if you, I, you can't tell me SCG has no pull in things, right? Like, just be, being big doesn't. Now, should all the small ones unionize? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that does. I mean, that's just TC, That's just like TCG player, yeah. right? Uh, Amos Worth. With Assassin's Trophy coming out uh, just after Settle the Wreckage and Field of Ruin, is Wasi trying to encourage people to play more basics in modern? Yes. Probably, yeah. And providing answers for some of the really powerful non-basics we have in older formats. Yeah, I think Watsi's trying to prevent everyone from playing five-color good stuff. And they always come up with new ways to incentivize people to play monocolor decks or just two-color decks. And forcing you to play basics and things like that as well. It's all just part of the conspiracy where if they print enough of these types of cards that people play a bunch of basics, then you can't complain about Blood Moon anymore because you're already playing basics. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'm playing Basic Mountain and Blood Moon. <laughs> D Jazzy, since neither Watsi nor Hasbro has experience or focus on competitive esports, do you think another company might be better buying, promoting, and monetizing the game? AKA, should Watsi slash Hasbro sell MTG? Oh, they're never going to? Ah, uh, it makes them so much money. Uh, I don't... I don't think that that's something that will happen. They're they're, they're never it, going to. It'd sell. be better off with a. It'd be better off with a partnership. Yeah, but it's kind of happening with Star City Games, right? Star City Games is its own competitive circuit, and they run things differently, right? This is, and you know, the the competition is that versus the Pro Tour and Grand Prix. So it's kind of happening today. Well, like. I could definitely, I would love to see something like that happen. And I think to some extent, they kind of did that with coverage with Channel Fireball by making them like the exclusive GP provider content people. Uh, But they're not making the magic cards. For all the things that Wizards does bad and doesn't have experience in, they are pretty good at making magic cards. So as far as like actually selling the game of magic, that seems pretty unlikely to me. Partnering with someone to do the esports end, I think that could be a good idea. Uh, Doug Whitaker, what is everyone's favorite way to play Commander, and who is your favorite all-time Commander? Oh, well, I like drawing cards and not casting my Commander. Uh, I don't know what my favorite Commander is. I don't know if I actually have a a favorite Commander, because I never cast it anyway, or rarely cast it anyway. Uh, my favorite of all time was Rathelos, because I like casting big things. Namely Terastodon, so I can give everybody else. Is Rafelos banned now? Yeah. 
<laughs> I like to play fair decks, like always. I like to win through combat, and my favorite... Uh, you're, you're an Isamaru fan. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that, that, I, I, can't, I can't do weenies. <laughs> they, they gotta be fair. big. They gotta be big. Uh, all-time favorite commander? I don't know. I like Bridget. <laughs> Even though Bridget is not that good. I have a soft spot for mono white, mono white tribes, mono white bad tribes. So Bridget is pretty well, if, pretty if near you, and dear to my heart. If you want to see Bridget in action, tune in to next week's Commander <laughs> Clash. <laughs> uh, Volroth's back. Could a rule change to require control of a land of a given Phyrexian mana type in order to pay life fix Phyrexian mana? I.e. you need to control a swamp to cast Dismember for one mana and four life. Yes, I think that's what they... I mean, they're not going to fix it now, but I think that's what they should have done. Make it, like, invigorate in the old cycle of free spells where you do need a land of the proper color of mana, but then you can cast it for free. Like, I don't know if that would 100% fix it, but it would go a long way towards making it fairer. Does that really fix it? Like, like, yeah, you can't just jam into every deck, but, you know, all the blue decks would still play Gitaxian Probe and they would still have their island. So, I mean, like, none of the Phyrexian mana stuff got banned when it was in Standard. Um, Probe is now banned. uh, And I think that that is just more of a design mistake-ish, I guess, since most of the decks that played it had access to Islands anyway. Like, there were just a few Degenerate combo decks that played it. Um, I think that it would certainly make it more balanced, but, like, fixing it, like... And it would still just be too good. I think I, I really dislike the how they break the color pie. Like, I think that's one of my biggest gripes with Phyrexian mana, how, like, mutagenic growth gives your, whatever, mono blue deck a pump spell. Or, like, so I feel like it would help. That's it, true. It would help on that end. Like, whether or not it actually becomes unbroken in terms of gameplay, I don't know. But I would feel more comfortable if my mono blue black couldn't, uh, deck couldn't dismember a creature on turn two or whatever. All right. One epic... Play Watery Grave. (laughs) (laughs) One epic pug. One deck building heuristic I've been taught in Standard is this. If you're playing mostly non-creature spells, just go all in and take out as many creatures as possible. That way you blank opposing removal. Is that a good heuristic? Uh, sort Uh, of. Yeah, perfect answer. (laughs) Like, I think... Would you guys like to elaborate on sort of? (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Chris. You can go first. Uh, It it depends on, like, the texture of the deck, right? So, like, if your non-creature spells are, like, burn and, you know, doom blades, like, you still need creatures set to end the game. But if your non-creature spells are, like, counter counter spells, card draws, and planeswalkers, then yes, like, if you can get rid of the creatures and play, you know, more of those similar type effects... Yeah, you should, uh, but you do always have to keep in mind that you still have to be able to win the game. Yeah, that's so like, so like if your deck's built around Teferi, you can probably get away with slumming the creatures like down as low as possible. But if your deck is you know built around Wizards Lightning and Lightning Strike, no, you can't just put a bunch more burn. You got to play more creatures. Like even even the burn deck in Modern still has you know like. 12 to 18 creatures in it yeah i think i that is exactly what i was thinking you do got to be able to close out the game so there's like if you're playing uh, you sometimes need your big finisher to kill the opponent but one thing that you i think i try to avoid and i think is generally a good rule is if you're playing uh, that random control deck that doesn't have many creatures and you're playing like a single creature in that deck, a Baral or whatever, a Llanowar Elves or something, you gotta think, like, your opponent's playing removal, because Sander deck's playing removal, so that creature, if you don't have any more targets, it's gonna die roughly 100% of the time, because your opponent, like, sure, maybe they don't want to cast a three-mana removal spell on your random thing, but if you literally have no other targets, it's gonna die anyway, so I feel like it's good to try to minimize that, but you, like Chris said, you still do need to be able to close out the game, but I would definitely avoid playing at one random utility creature in a deck that doesn't have to because it's just going to die every time. Yeah, like, the creatures have to have a purpose, right? So a good example was, like, Torrential Gear Hulk and the blue-white control decks. Like, yes, it, it makes their removal live, quote-unquote, in game one, but half the time that removal was Vraska's Contempt, so it could also hit your Planeswalker, so it gives you some protection there, and you're getting value out of the, out of, out of the card, so... Uh, a good like for now like dream eater would be a good example of a creature that i would use in a deck where i only want a few creatures and a bunch of spells all right ronald foster jr how much 
would it change the game if players were allowed to pay two generic mana to draw a card at any time? Not from the card's ability, but a rule change, like hero um, powers. <laughs> that would uh, hugely change the game. Yeah, it, it, it would basically break the balance of the game. So the reason that works in particular in Hearthstone is because everybody's guaranteed one resource per turn and you have a cap on your resources, whereas in Magic, like... If at any time we could just play, pay two mana to draw a card, like the Llanowar Elf Circuitous route deck is going to be better than basically anything else in the entire game. Yeah. But I, I do like that aspect of Hearthstone where you're always doing something every turn uh, because you're always accruing mana and you always have a hero power to use. And you don't have those <laughs> weird, you know, magic games where you're like, land, go, or I didn't draw land, go, 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 and like nothing progresses and you slowly die. Yeah, so that that's one of the things that I feel magic has done a pretty good job with uh, lately is designing cards um, that are flexible. So split cards are a good example where you have like an under, like a cheap effect or an expensive effect where it gives you something to do in the early game if you're stumbling and something different to do in the late game uh, when you have more mana. A good example of that mechanic that I think is like one of the best mechanics that they've designed is Monstrous, where it's like on these creatures that you're able to play, you know, Fleece Main Lion for two, Pelucranos for four, but then they still have some utility as the game goes late where you're able to do something with your mana if you're screwed, but can also do something with your mana if you're flooded. I think another great way that they have moved towards fixing that is, like, making Scry evergreen. We had Cycling Return. That's another one of those mechanics. Surveil is a similar one. So there are mechanics. Uh, like, having the Cycling Lands in Standard was such a huge deal because that, like, eliminates some dead draws in the late game where if it was a normal land, you're just like, land, go, I'm not doing anything. But with things like Cycling Lands, Scry becoming more prevalent, it does help even out some of those variance issues, I think, in a way that's still on point for magic all right last question urker asylum ravnica on arena has been pretty fun i'm still annoyed with the ranking system if i have a grindy close game and i lose i lose almost all of the rank i built up when i win my meter goes up only a little bit doesn't seem proportionate thoughts so i mean i don't understand exactly how the system works i don't know if it is exactly functioning right that's been like a big point of confusion but it's based on the elo system and in the elo system if you lose to someone that is ranked much lower than you you will drop a ton you can even see this if you check your rating on magic online which is a lot more clear but if you have a high rating and lose to someone with a low rating you're gonna lose a ton of points but if you have a high rating and you beat someone with a low rating it doesn't really do hardly anything you won't gain much of anything so it might be people misunderstanding the elo system or it might actually be that there's some weirdness with the rankings that is still going to be ironed out on magic online yeah the system's like inherently broken when you play events because in 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 normal cases you're supposed to be matched up with someone with your own elo and if you're playing constructed you're supposed to have you know decks of the right power level so when you play if you play someone who's much lower than you you would lose a lot more that makes sense but what happens in constructed events is you're matched by records so let's say you're LSV, but your pool was a pile of garbage, right? And then you're playing, I don't know, say me, bad player, but I had like the greatest pool ever. When we meet in the 6-0 bracket and I win, like LSV will lose so much ELO, right? So it makes it so that you can never climb if you play events. So if you want to climb your, uh, you know, your, your ranks, you have to actually just play uh, the actual ladder and not the events. So if you want to be masters or whatever, you have to only play the ladder and not actually events so you don't get matched up with low elo players and then lose to them and undo all your hard work. So it's currently broken and I don't know if they have any plans to fix it. Yeah, I mean, like ELO and MMR is just like always such a mystery to me. I just try not to think about it and just play. Also, the good <laughs> news is it doesn't do anything. Like there's no other than personal pride or yeah. whatever. Like. You don't My get self anything worth. based on, and if your self worth is, yes. is based on your Magic Arena rank, you have other, you have other issues. This is the whole basis of gaming, Seth. <laughs> this is the whole basis of gaming. Yeah, I mean, at some point there has to be like top X gets invited to a tournament, and the winner of that tournament can play on the Pro Tour. Like at some point, that's probably going to happen. So fixing it now should be pretty important. 
you know what I really want? I want like the top, say that the top ten players each season gets an icon that's the top pro of that season. So like, uh, you know, you grind for a month and you, you get to be the Reduke avatar. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or it could just be like the world champion from that yeah. year. Like you just get to be Javier. I like it. I think they should incorporate more of this because it's like free, right? Like we we should have more fun things to grind out and to show who we, you know, like, oh, this is a team channel fireball ice icon or something, right? And I support this team. Like they have a lot of opportunities to incorporate that into Arena. I still don't know why they didn't do that as a reward for people uh, that helped in the close beta. They gave people some of the Mythic Edition Planeswalkers, which was nice. But they also made it so anyone can wildcard for the Mythic Edition Planeswalkers. So you don't actually, it's not like you got something exclusive for being a beta tester. So I wish they would have given you some like exclusive icon or avatar for being a beta tester. I think that would have been sweet. Yeah. Or a deck sleeve. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, deck sleeves. Yeah, different, like, play board or whatever, play battlefield would be sweet, too. Yeah, that, that was one of the things they had in Hex, another digital game that I played for a bit. Um, it's on the decline now, but that's neither here nor there, but they had, through their Kickstarter and in the beta and alpha, like, people that took part of that, like, got, you know, stuff in-game that... You know, you, you you would play against somebody, and they would have the alpha tester sleeves. You're like, oh man, this guy's been playing like you know since it was an alpha. Like that kind of stuff is really cool. It's like a modern day DCI numbers. You have like a three digit DCI number. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's all our fish mail for this week. Thanks to everyone who sent them in. Uh, if you can send them to MTG Goldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 191 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Chris, Richard, thanks for hanging out. It's always fun. Thank you to everyone for listening. Also, thank you to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. Check them out, spikesacademy.com, 10% off with the cold goldfish. So, we'll be back next week. We'll have actual tournament results for our new standard format to talk about and whatever else happens in between. So, until then, have a wonderful week. And this is the group signing out. Thank you.